welcome Highfalutin Ski Bump Podcast episode number 271. The trifecta, the triumvirate, the musketeers together. Your pals, Mario, Steve, and Brian. Gentlemen, welcome. And Steve, special welcome. All right. This is the original. The original OG. It's a lot of episodes. You guys are amazing. We don't care if no one listens. We just keep on doing it. Because one day, (laughs) we want to be the uh, 10 year overnight success. That's our goal. There you That's go. Plan. We're working you're, you're on it. well on your way. <laughs> hey, man, we get some free swag, some free ski trips out of it. You could do worse, right? That's right. You could do worse. All right. So I got to finish our conversation from before season six curb. That's where you got to start. Season six of curb your enthusiasm. If anyone else okay. is playing along at home, is that season five was good too. Was that the Katrina season? Season six? Season six. That's where Leon comes in. Okay. Who is now the Caesar guy with Holly the Berry? Betting, the betting commercial. Yeah, the betting commercial. He plays Caesar in those Caesar's gambling app. Yeah, he's commercials. Funny. He's come a long Jamie's way, man. Yeah. He's come a long way. He was on the Real Husbands of uh, Hollywood. That was hilarious. Hilarious <laughs> spoof. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We're on your favorite podcasting apps. Follow us on the socials, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, untapped at ski bump podcast, YouTube. So if you I are just following saw last week on, we're on YouTube. YouTube, yes. So before Fancy this, graphics and everything, well, before this, it was a little sparse. We'd occasionally put the interviews out there, maybe throw a raw copy of the podcast out there. There wasn't a lot of love. It was just kind of, you the know, raw dog and it was good I, for yeah. a while. I was like re-editing them and it was just too much work. So I just stopped. Well, I decided I decided to actually learn how to use Premiere. And what I've been doing now, well, I is it did, easy to do? I mean, for someone like me who's really smart, it's not too bad. All but, right. Well, joking, of course. I, I use like all it the would other just take Adobe me products. So much time because I'd have to download it, edit it in iMovie, and I was like, this is just killing me. Well, I already know how to use a lot of the Adobe products, and it's you know it's not too different. And I already edit the podcast using Audition. Adobe Audition. So you do it while you're editing. Well, what I'm doing, I'm just editing the video instead of the audio. So I can just pull the audio out and put that to the podcasting apps. And then I have a fully edited video. And I learned how to put some interlude graphics and music in. So I put that up on YouTube. So now you can watch this insanity if you are so inclined. So just go to YouTube and check us out. Ski Bum Podcast there too. It looked pretty good. I was like, whoa, look at that. You even have the, the section cuts and everything. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm a man of many talents. What can I say? <laughs> also, email. Send us one. Skibumpodcast at gmail.com. If you want stickers, if you just want to tell us we suck or we're awesome, like we're here for that. We're just, you know what? A lot of it, whatever you're saying to us about us, you just kind of look in the mirror and telling people, telling us that. So good and bad. Maybe check out yourself first, then send us the email. You want to send us a little cash? You could send it to us. We have a PayPal account. We have right? a PayPal account. And we have a couple of people who are doing a monthly payment. And huge thank you, Nelson. We love you. You've been doing this for a long time. God bless you. Thank you so much. You can also go and do that too. I got to reach out to Nelson because he's in this neck of woods, right? You guys should have a Florida ski party. Well, Florida meetup, and then we go skiing. That's the move. That's what I'm telling you. Boom. That's a good idea. Huge shout Over out. Over Gatlinburg again. Over Gatlinburg. Maybe you should get like a bus. 
That's it. I'd like just the Steve bus from Florida. Dude, rent, a, rent a van and just freaking party. Did party we miss day. Urban Ski Weekend? I don't know if they had it because of COVID. Well, no, it's February. Usually. There's no COVID in Tennessee. They haven't there, paid there, attention. There really isn't. They <laughs> hadn't paid attention from the start. They don't even give a damn. You think Dolly Parton cares? She's not wearing a mask. She's too fine. Even she's like 80 years old. <laughs> it really isn't. Damn. Uh, Pigeon yeah. Forge. They ain't wearing masks. Oh, Urban Did Ski Weekend as seen is. on Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Look at that. And who was talking about this like five years ago? It's coming next week. Your pals. February 4th. Your pals were talking about it. Wasn't it usually Super Bowl weekend? Yeah, and then they moved the Super Bowl. They added a, a game. Added extra week, yeah. So now it's you, you can still watch the Super Bowl afterwards, but... And we want to give a big, we're so sorry to our, our fans and the friends in the Buffalo area. Goddamn, you know, Holiday Valley, Ellicottville... Met some great people there. A lot of Bills fans. That's a rough one, man. Like, uh, I was actually, I was going to short Home Depot stock this morning because of all the non-tables that we're going to get bought over the next two weeks. Because <laughs> had Buffalo won, I mean, there would have been just pallets. Craziness. Pallets of folding tables would have been purchased. So That's right. That was a rough one, man. Josh Allen deserves better. But Mahomes, Texas Tech, he's a beast. That was crazy. What are you going to do? That was that rough. Was crazy. That was harsh. And then I had to sit through Tampa with a horrible first half. Oof. Yeah, What's going on? Almost it got was it crazy. Though. Almost. It's been a crazy weekend. It was a, it was a great NFL weekend. It was great. Sure. Yeah. Speaking of great sponsors. Thank you so much. Teresia back in the game. Teresia.com. T-E-R-R-A-C-E-A.com. Premium cold weather solutions. Their mission to create best-in-class apparel that can be worn in any cold temperature environment designed with thoughtful features and fit and always providing the optimum level of performance for whatever you are doing. Pockets, they got plenty of them. Love them. Showed the, the uh, puffer last week. Only can see a little bit now. This thing, super I just high got quality, mine this week. They super warm. Me up. Ah, great stuff. If you want 15% off Terracia.com, use the code Terracia Bum, all one word, T E R R A C E A B U M, 15% off. Thank you, Terracia. Also, thank you, Paradise Skis, ParadiseSkis.com. They make seriously fun skis. They are all about making skiing as fun as possible. Whether that's shredding laps in Hawaiian shirts, bringing the parking lot apres, or getting up early to go for that huge backcountry objective. It's our mission to build skis and snowboards that allow our customers to enjoy every single day in the mountains. Go to paradiseskis.com. Use the code SKIBUM15, 15% off. They got the reds, resort. They got the blue, backcountry. They got the green, the split board. Check them out. You'll love them. Paradiseskis.com. Thank you. Let's kick it off the way we always do. It's time for our prey today. Steve. As our guest, would you care to go first on this lovely app right today? Sure, I'll, I'll jump in first. And this is um, this is a beer that's been around for a few years now to really make a headway. Uh, it's French. It's from Industrial Arts. Ah, the French, nice. nice. Yeah, big fan of this beer. Every every everyone that I uh, introduce this to really loves it. It's very available. All the it's, high school uh, girls, they love it, right? Yeah. <laughs> Has it hit the roofie yeah, in there? Always, <laughs> They're the sophisticated palettes of these field hockey players. <laughs> That's right. 
So yeah, big fan of uh, industrial arts, and um, they they make some great stuff. And this was my favorite. This is the uh, the hazy Indian pale ale. Nice. nice. That's a single, like a regular IPA, right? It's a regular IPA, but it's a seven point seven. So you know, it's it's strong, but it's not crazy, and it uh, it's actually pretty smooth. Nice. Yeah, and a wrench Very is cool. like kind of their signature one. Then they have torque wrench too, yep. which I think is a double. Yeah, yeah. I think Rem brought up some wrench when we were up at the ski house one time. I think he stuff. did. Shout out to Rem. Dumpster Boys. The Dumpster Boys ride again. Dumpster Boys ride again. Now, Steve, you have any other words, tasting notes, anything you else want to share? No, other than I'm going to just turn my glass the other way because that's a terrible, terrible glass. Hey, they got a good <laughs> draft this year, right? That's all. That's, we got a bank on the draft. The Giants, yeah, are going to another coach. So that would be You've the got the Giants. Seven years. Get the Giants on one side and Bud Light on the other side. I mean, you really that says it's it not good either way, right? It's a, stuck it's in the a, middle with you. It's a terrible glass. <laughs> Could be worse. Uh, Gotta awesome. go. Yeah, Mario. Oh, awesome. What do you have today? So I went to a good a, a good little favorite that I had in the fridge. Going with the Sierra Nevada, hazy little thing. Saw that. Nice. So love this one. This is uh, it's been around for a while. Is that a session no. IPA? You uh, know, it tastes a little bit like a session, but uh, uh, it has like a little fruity, fruity flavor, a little uh, citrusy. Really good drinking though. Uh, not too bad on your stomach. So the amount of hops in there isn't super, super high. Let me see the uh, IBUs on this. But it's like 6.7. Yeah. Oh, okay. So 6.7, it's a solid IPA. It's not a light. It's not too hard. But this is drinkable. You know, like some of the other IPAs, I love my IPAs, but sometimes they just kill my stomach. So this is one that you can kind of lay back with and be like, all right, it's a normal night. Have a few of these, you know. Had a little wine before. Had a little, I was telling Brian, a little Costco Malbec. I'm going to finish it off with Think a wrong little Hazel IPA. Look at you. It's quite the little Monday you're having there. Hey, that's a Monday. That is a Monday. I, I got to slow shit down because it's going to be a long, rough week. Oof. Saturday, we're going out to a brewery. Like, There's a lot of breweries down here. There's some more moving into town. So <laughs> it doesn't end. The weekends are a little, little rough because there's a lot of good beers on tap everywhere. So yeah. I got to start taking some of that, bringing it to the podcast. We'll see. There you go. I got to make it an initiative. The Florida First Initiative. <laughs> <laughs> if you go to the Sierra Nevada website and you go to the Hazy Little Thing page, they actually have some recipes if you would oh. like to make a Hazy Little Thing IPA beef slider. Beef recipe for that. Look at that. How about some Hazy Little Thing pineapple fried rice, which actually huh. sounds amazing. Ooh, or Hazy right Little Thing it. sriracha grilled pork shoulder. That's right. My jam right there. This is value add. This is what you put on your website. We have no recipe. This? Which you make that pork shoulder and then you put on a nice Cuban sandwich. Boom. Look at that. Boom. I still think an amazing idea for a restaurant or a food, probably a food truck would be better, is just everything served on Cheddar Bay biscuits. Like the Red Lobster biscuits. Like imagine you had everything served on those. You want to hear something funny about that? So last week I was in the store. I bought... They had a Red Lobster Cheddar Bay Biscuit mix in the store and I bought it. I was like, I'm going to feel like having Cheddar Bay Biscuits <laughs> one day and I've been staying away from from carbs except, you know, on occasion, the beers and stuff. But 
I'm thinking I'm going to make them and just eat them all in one sitting. We'll think about perhaps if you had a hazy little thing, sriracha grilled pork shoulder, oh, yeah. cheddar bay biscuit sandwich. Yeah, just make a big biscuit. Make them big. Yeah, like little biscuits. Full size. Gigantic ones. Just sandwich size. Like 10-inch skillet size. I'm, I'm thinking. How about a burger on there? Why not? Oh. Let's get weird. No, I'll do the pork shoulder and do the Cuban on the cheddar bay biscuit. And then you put that in the panini machine. That's can dark you, magic right Can there. you panini-fy a cheddar bay biscuit? You can panini anything. We right. had a snack master when I was in college. We snack mastered <laughs> everything. Remember those things? You get the pieces of bread, you put whatever, and you just squish it. It'd I was like, like two triangles out of it? Yeah, it'd be like leftovers, like mac and cheese. Yeah, put that in there. Freaking meatballs, boom. Leftover pizza, right in there. Works All too. Right. So mac and cheese, cheddar bay biscuit, panini-fy it, batter it, and fry it. Oh, there you go. Is like that a, the world's perfect food? What's that? A Monte Cristo where they put the little um, jam in it and they fry it. They, uh, they bread, yeah. they deep, deep fry it. Panini, cheddar bay biscuit sandwich, wrap it in bacon, batter it and fry it. That's Dude, if you had a heart surgeon on call, you could eat like fried stuff every day. Just a deep fryer. Everything deep fried. Why can't they 3D print hearts? Like imagine you just had like a fridge full of hearts and you're That's like, right. I'm just going to, I just got to. I went to Costco and got lard. I'm just going to put it on everything. I don't even. Dude, you go to Costco and get like a three pack of hearts. <laughs> just, we laugh now, but I promise you in like 30 years, they're going to have that. Costco surgery. Body Amazon parts. Prime surgery. They we're just be, fly in a drone, does a little heart surgery and flies out. And we're going to like, remember how like Napster, you'd be downloading music. We're going to download like recipes for hearts for your 3D printer so you can make your own. Boom. Yeah, this mine doesn't even have a beat anymore. It just I actually saw one. They have a heart that is just like not a filter, but just like it goes continually. It's like an engine, like a little jet engine, and there's no heartbeat. It just goes. Zzz, and that's I, want, it. I want a Hemi. Like I don't want a little engine. I want a that's big a Hemi. That's Hemi like a racing engine. heart. Yeah, I want no like a heartbeat. Usain you just, Bolt. You just always going. Yeah. Flow through. Wouldn't that be so cool if you could actually? Because perhaps in the future we'll get to a point where we can download body parts from people at particular times. Well, how about preemptively mm. getting a heart transplant at like 60? Boom. Yeah, I got a healthy heart, but I'm going to transplant it just in case. Like that's this like, kid, like some kid committed suicide and I got his heart. That's so like really you're, taking, now, you're turning a failure into a success. There you go. Well, kids okay. now that are like promising pitchers, they actually are getting the Tommy John surgery on a healthy arm so that they can avoid having to have it later on. Wasn't that the plot of rookie of the year? Yeah, yeah right. Kid like got the surgery and he's throwing like 130 miles an hour, <laughs> and then it snapped and that was it. The game was over. Yeah. I remember as a kid watching baseball and they're like, "Up, oh, Tommy John surgery," and the guy's like, "He'll be out for like three years." Yeah, Won't now be the they're same. like, "No, nah, we're good. We got little nano things going in there. You're you're good." That's so crazy. Well, I, I thought you were changed. going a totally different direction with that, where you could like you know grab body parts from like young people. Like I, I want the boobs <laughs> of a 20 year old. <laughs> and I'm 50. It's like, I want to get the uh, Kate Upton 2012 boobs. <laughs> right. Right. Like those boobs. That's like those as good boobs. as it got. Yeah. Right. Perhaps I'm, I'm telling you, we can go back in time and we can get the parts of the people we once want. Once we start building those into like little Petri dishes, you could be like, all right, this is the Kate Upton model. Just build them. Yeah. Well, like and wanna... surgery becomes really good. You could swatch out, you know, sw switch out parts quickly. Like, I'm going to a big party. I'm going to go with the, 
you know, I'm going to go with the nine iron instead of the, you know, five iron. <laughs> <laughs> Got your little bag of dicks. You're like, go with the five iron. <laughs> I'm working on my short the- game. <laughs> so that would be like the difference if you're going to Chinatown versus Harlem. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're going out like with the family. You just want the, the regular size one. You don't want the big junk. you're not hitting big on that thing you want to be aerodynamic you know it's like mini golf you know you can go play mini golf sometimes you're not always you know doing a long drive competition (laughs) let's say you're in a swimming competition you going with the smallest one you can get aerodynamics aerodynamics right right. (laughs) well this is spouted off the rails already so (laughs) i'm gonna go with my apres and i am a proper british lady today because i have some wonderful throat coat tea everyone in my house is sick my son decides his new favorite thing is to go right in your face and like kind of spit in your face, but like not like spit, spit, but like be like and like just spit. And he's like, "Daddy, cool. your, your toothbrush it, it vibrates and like just starts brushing his teeth with like my toothbrush." And I'm too lazy to, to try to clean it, so I just use it. So everyone's sick because of that. And shout out to my sister who gave me this lovely Stay Cozy Yeti cup. Nice. Originally, I was like, what are they going to do with this? I have my dope Ski Bum Podcast Yeti 20-ounce tumbler. And I found this is perfect for nighttime tea because that's nice. the top. So you put your tea in there, close it up, get it to seep. But as we talked about a few episodes ago, I bought a handle of Grand Marnier. Do you know mm. how big a handle of Grand Marnier is? Like this is... You usually don't most, drink a lot of Grand Marnier. Who drinks Grand Marnier like on the rocks? Like give me two fingers of Grand Marnier with... With a cube. This is so much Grand Marnier. And if you can see me shaking it here, I've actually put a pretty sizable dent in it in less than a month. So this may be gone by the summer because again, dude, that's a four year bottle. I'm calling it right now. Dude, this is going to be done this year, which is madness. Because again, I've been, I didn't really know what Grand Marnier was till you brought up the blueberry tea recipe, which I will tell you, we've gotten feedback. People are psyched about the blueberry tea. Have they tried it? They've tried it. They're awesome. f- or they're about to try it because winter, awesome. Steve, if you're not familiar, it's a uh, orange, orange Pico tea, right? It's like a black yeah, tea. Yeah, which is like just that. a different type of Earl Grey. So I thought it was orange tea. I looked it up. Orange Pico is just a type of, a type of like a breakfast tea. So you got English breakfast, Earl Grey is like a good substitute, but it's basically it's a black tea. So you take that. Now they say four ounces, which is nothing. And then an ounce of Grand Marnier and a ounce of amaretto mm. which is a ridiculous tea to booze ratio oh and you drink it it tastes like blueberries that's interesting really it's i'll tell you the recipe so melanie used to have that so she she grew up in winnipeg which is cold as nuts and they used to make it there all the time she said you'd be out of the bar and it's like you know negative whatever negative 2 million degrees out. (laughs) The cars are free. Like she literally said when they were in high school, they would leave the car running, go into the bar and people would go back out to check that the car wasn't blown up or was still running because otherwise your engine block would just freeze up. So you're, you're in an area that cold. They're like, so you go to the bar and they're like, yeah, give me a blueberry tea. And they'd be like, all right, little boop, 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 boop. And there you go. Get a nice little warm, warm, like toddy to, uh, Keep I like going. their dedication to drink. They're like, yeah, the car, we can't turn the car off, but we have yeah, to go right. and drink. That's that's <laughs> that's how Canada used to be. She said you used to take turns. People would run out. You know, you didn't, you know, nobody had these fancy engine warmers or anything like that. It's like, no, nah, we just kept the car running. 
So what Grand Marnier even is, it is cognac and orange liqueur mixed together, which right. I didn't know that. I just, when I first tried the recipe, I used Cointreau, which is a little, little similar. It's just, yeah. it's just the orange liqueur. When yeah. you have the cognac in there, you get a little bit of a, mm. I mean, I don't think whiskey is really the right taste. I mean, it's kind of. Well, cognac is like how would you describe cognac? It's a fortified wine, isn't it? Cognac is that what it is? As whiskey is from grain with grapes. Yeah, I think it's like almost like whiskey made with grapes. Right. It's like, and they add up like I forgot what they do. They add sugar or something to get the alcohol up. That sounds about right. But yeah, so I've been putting a couple drops in my tea when I have tea at night, and I like it. God damn it. So that's what I'm having now. A little throat coat tea with some Grand Marnier, like nice. a proper British grandmother. <laughs> you said, Mario, that Pico tea is just an orange tea? Uh, no, orange Pico is a type of black tea, I believe. Okay. They say orange Pico because it's like, I guess the flowers on it are orange or something. I don't know. I was reading on the box on <laughs> in the store looking for it. I'm like, I thought it was going to be orange flavored. but. Orange Pico black tea. Yeah, it's a type oh, of black. Like tea. A, it's like a 50-50 blend. <laughs> you know, I guess if you get into like real tea, like they they know like because what was I looking at? I forgot what brand. My I don't know. It was Bigelow or one of the one of the other ones. And they actually had because they have their English breakfast tea, late breakfast tea. Then they have orange Pico. They have another like Earl Grey. Like so, there's all these different levels. They're just different types of black tea, but I guess they have different flavor properties. So I never got that big into tea, but I'm like, that's pretty good to to learn. Like it's pretty interesting. My sister in law works for a tea company, a tea importing company, and yeah, when you bring up anything like celestial seasonings or herb tea, like that, like that's all crap. Shades it right. Well, it's all just it's yeah. not really tea. It's just it's crap. It's like flowers and stuff. When like you actually, crap. when you really have tea tea, you know it's it's green and black. That's all it is. It's just different. And oolong, I think there's like three kinds, but there's o- different. Oolong's a type of black. Is it? I believe. Yeah. I thought it's, it was it's all green, black tea, but black I have no and green. Idea. Yeah. So if you're going to tea rabbit hole, do that on your own. We're not getting, we're not going there right now. You've heard enough of us rambling and ranting about beverages at this point. Oh, oolong is from the leaves of the Camellia sinensis plant, which is the same plant used to make green tea and black tea. So I guess it depends when they harvest it. Very interesting. Look how much you can learn on this show. Crazy shit. Drop a knowledge all over the place. Yes. Well, with that, drop We're more carpet knowledge. Bomb on the, the knowledge. <laughs> yes, and with that, let's go to ski news. Before we start, I just want to mention honorably, Urban Ski Weekend is coming up next weekend, February 4th, as seen on Love and Hip Hop in Atlanta. Just wanted to mention that. We've been talking to try about to get tickets for, for at least five years. Yeah. At least. We still haven't gone. So we get tickets for, we wouldn't go for the $85 tickets. We'd go for the 250, which would be the VIP entry into all the after parties and maybe some skiing in there. I don't know. Maybe some skiing. We had a really late opening down there in Oberg, Gatlinburg this year. I think it opened like two weeks ago or something. Yeah. Kind of crazy. Dope as hell though. Yep. You know. Yeah, I was there. (laughs) All right. So first story 
which is an unfortunate one. French actor Gaspar Ulil. I don't know if that's how it's pronounced. I hope so. 37 dies after ski accident. Mm. So French actor is known for appearing in Chanel perfume ads as well as film and television roles. Died last Wednesday after a skiing accident in the Alps. Local authorities Damn. said. 37 years old. Yeah, he portrayed, he young. yeah, portrayed young Hannibal Lecter in 2007's Hannibal Rising. Oh, yeah. If you see his picture, you're like, I know this. I recognize the guy. Yeah, he was a fashion mogul Yves Saint Laurent in a biop- biopic of him. And he was in the upcoming Marvel series, Moon Knight. Yeah, that's where... Yes. So it said he was skiing last Tuesday afternoon at La Rosière Resort. He collided with another skier on an intermediate slope after turning left, presumably to join his friends on an adjoining slope, which was the prosecutor in Albertville said in a statement on Wednesday. Preliminary findings from an investigation indicated that both skiers fell to the ground after the collision, the prosecutor said. But Ulil was motionless and unconscious when rescuers arrived, while the other skier was unharmed. Hmm. That's kind of crazy. Damn. And I, I was looking, and I didn't see if they said that he had a helmet on or not, because... If you put his name into Google, one of the first things that comes back is, was he wearing a helmet? Mm, That's a good question. They said weather was perfect at the time of the accident. There were no rocks in the area of the collision. He was transported by hospital to the Grenoble University, or by helicopter to the Grenoble University Hospital, where doctors tried to revive him. Pronounced dead on Wednesday, shortly after 4 p.m. Damn. (sighs) Yeah. Head trauma. It's a rough one. So yeah. a couple couple comments there that I think is um I don't know if you guys real have talked about this already, but on the way up to all the resorts in Colorado, now there's all those legal uh billboards. Uh like if you're injured, but they actually say if you are in a skiing or snowboarding collision, call our office. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's a growing number of people that are suing each other for these events, these such collisions. So they're not suing uh, the resorts, they're suing each other personally. Well, you know, the, the warriors are probably suing whoever can give the most amount of money. But it is to the point where there's there's billboard signs on hmm. whatever that route uh was route, route 70? 70 up yeah. Yeah, Route 70. There's uh a slew of billboards that just popped up over the last few years. Wow. I remember when we were out in Park City back in 2017, seeing signs for that in the the town bus. All these lawyer lawyer advertisements. Yeah, Yeah. that's also Uh, too. That's where uh, what's her name, Gwyneth Paltrow, got into that accident. Was being sued for like four million dollars. Wow, for hitting somebody. Yeah, at Deer Valley. Hmm. That's That's classic. Of course. Classic, yeah. Damn. Yeah, but they were saying that uh, after that accident, the mountain police service at the ski area said its personnel had been carrying out five or six rescues per day as the snow hardened. And also in the neighboring hot Savoy region, a five-year-old girl was killed Saturday when a skier crashed into her. Jeez. The man so they're blaming preliminary- hard conditions on all these accidents? Like, what would they think of in the Northeast, right? Like... <laughs> 
there's ice everywhere. Yeah, it's not I, hard pack powder. It's ice. Like you just wonder. I mean, there is no mention if he was wearing a helmet or anything else. I mean, they said that they recommend people wear helmets, but there's no rule for it. I mean, like, what even could have happened? You know, like it was. Well, yeah, I mean, I that's, that's the interesting what, thing. Is, is anyone going to yeah. say that? Like, was he wearing a helmet? And I mean, that's a that's a major difference whether he was wearing a helmet or not. You know, someone did an analogy the other day uh, with me, and, and they compared skiing to to football. And they said the one of the fastest people that can run in football is like twenty three miles an hour, right? I mean, twenty four miles an hour for about forty five to sixty seconds. You know, that's that's like a phenomenal football player. Yeah. An average skier goes 35 to 40, average. And when they hit each other, they're not wearing any pads. And then when they land, they're landing on ice. Yeah. So, and, and football players get hurt all the time. Football players are getting concussion all the time. And they're wearing all pads, and they go half as fast, and they land on some kind of surface that is not hard, and it's meant to slide, and it's not cold. So it's almost like playing hockey with no pads, right? Yeah, really? really? Well, let me ask this. So with everybody wearing, so I remember a year, years ago when, when I first started wearing a helmet, I was like, you know, I'm going to go do some big skiing. My first trip to Europe, I'm like, I'm going to start wearing a helmet. Around that time, a lot of people started wearing helmets. It was growing. It was about 50, 50, maybe less than 50% people wore a helmet. So I remember getting the helmet. And one of the comments that somebody said to me, when I was getting it, they were like, well, you're going to find out you're a lot warmer. And I was like, that's great. Because when I wore a ski hat, it would always shift around. I'd always be playing with the hat. And then, you know, your ears would get cold and then you that shifting everything. You could hear better, but it was still more annoying overall with a hat. And then I, then I started with the helmet. I was like, oh, this is great. And over the years, I think a lot of people make comments like, Oh, do you bomb down the hill? I'm like, no, I like skiing. I go down, I do some shit, and then I kind of rest a little. And every once in a while, I want to get a little bit of speed. But I almost wonder now, like psychologically, do you think people just have this mentality that I'm wearing a helmet, I go as fast as I want? Right? Absolutely. Maybe not as fast as you want, but you're definitely less risk averse or more risk faster than you normally would have without a helmet, maybe. Because you're protected. Yeah. Or you think you're protected, right? But how well you're protected with a helmet so you could, your head's protected, but you could still crack your neck or break your spine or, you know what I mean? Like that hasn't changed. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So I kind of wonder like how much of that, because I hear people say like, oh yeah, I'm going to try to go 70 miles an hour down a hill. I'm like, why (laughs) are you racing? Like if you're not racing, why are you going that fast? You, you because want to you have that... your ski tracks app and you want to show it off to your pussy friends. That's exactly. right. Exactly. You Which want to just beat that sad. record. Yeah. And if you shut the app that's off and you just want fun. to go fast, that's that's a different story. That's <laughs> like, bro, I was probably going like 80. Like probably. <laughs> like I got, I could tell. And most of those people are like, that was on the car ride home and they forgot to shut the app off. <laughs> Look at me, man. It did 80 for like We've 20 minutes. All been there. Yes. <laughs> no, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's it really doesn't, makes sense but if you think about skiing in general there's no need to go up that mountain there's no need in the first place why are we doing it because there's some sort of thrill 
we get from it, some adrenaline rush, some feeling of freedom that is really tough to get anywhere else. Like what other sport could you do where you just get this, you can go basically as fast as you want and whatever happens is on you. You know, like, I mean, cycling to a degree, I guess as well. Right. But you're not playing with gravity the way you are. You're dancing with gravity and skiing and it's wingsuit, just, bro. Wingsuit. Oh, you got a wingsuit that shit. That's, that's some next level stuff. But I think if you want to talk about, you know, uh, deaths, I think that sport probably has to have one of the highest percentages of deaths per participant of any sport. Yeah. If you talk about like USC or boxing, I think relatively low because it's controlled versus something like wing suiting or right. Like crazy skiing. Yeah. Well, I think boxing, board. boxing, football, UFC, those kind of sports, you may not have the deaths, but you have the impaired the living yeah. down the line. You know, like if you get the CTE, the the head trauma, you may not feel it when you're 28, but when you're 48, you're starting to slur your words. You're getting early onset dementia. Like that's when that stuff kind of kicks in the head trauma. That's really what, that's what you don't want in any case, in any sport. So I mean, Steve, little... you're ski patrol now. So you learned about this, like somebody falls like on, on the mountain. That's a pretty big deal, right? Yeah. I mean, what's happened over the last 10 years is um, there was a time where on a Saturday, the helicopter pilots, which is uh, Advanced Life Support, ALS, would have a chalkboard. And they would, for every concussion, they would put a line. And pretty much every Saturday, it was there was 10 to 15 concussions. Wow. And all those concussions, they're, they're picking, up, they're picking the, uh, the person up, they're flying them to uh, the hospital, they're flying back. So they would do 10, 10 flights. Um, and since the advent of, of helmets and the popularity of helmets, they don't have the chalkboard anymore. They don't even, cause it's, it's so infrequent. Wow. When they're called in because people are doing bigger stuff, um, serious injuries, it's, uh, it's back injuries. Mm. Um, it's, um, you know, broken ribs. Um, you know, head injuries that are serious head injuries where there could be a, um, a hemorrhage. Um, but, uh, but you know, it is interesting. Their travels to and from the resorts is less, but when they do, it's really serious. Wow. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, so what's happening is the, the common, um, person making a mistake, making an error, falling down, hitting their head. Uh, they're not getting as many concussions. So, I mean, the helmets are absolutely saving you from concussions. Wow. Hmm. Uh, but you were saying earlier, as far as a false sense of security, yeah, I think we well, we all put on pads. We have a false sense of security. And, uh, I feel like a yeah, superhero. Yeah. And the stuff that they're doing now, these, these jumps that are all set up at all these places, I mean, it's spectacular. I, I remember when I was a kid, the ski patroller took my pass away because my, my skis went like a foot off the ground. Yeah. Oh, you're <laughs> I, jumping. There's got, no jumping here. I remember that. They'd pull your pass. Yeah, it's awesome. Now the resorts create these ridiculous tabletops. It's unbelievable. <laughs> They're like, we're, and, uh, we're in, I, we're in Crested Butte. They were creating that. I love watching the kids. I mean, yeah. they, they do some 
phenomenal jumps. It's it's amazing what they do. But we'll be out like we were in Crested Butte last well, whatever, two weeks ago, and they were creating the giant, the big air jumps. Yeah. And we were asking them, like, what's that for? They're like, no, they just create a big park. They have a small park and a big park. And people, there's like a they were saying there's like a group of following that that goes and they hit those big jumps. I'm like, we we would have never done that. Like we never even that was out of even the realm of thinking, you know. Well, that actually is a, a great segue into the next story, which kind of going out of order, but it's the new order now. This past oh. weekend, X Games Aspen took place. I don't know if did you guys check any of it out? I saw some of the big air snowboard and mm-hmm. I was like, I can't even as I get older, I'm like, I just shake my head. I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I can't even I can't even relate because I wasn't brought up that way. Like now you're brought up like thinking, Oh, I want to get big air. Like, <laughs> you know, like back in the day, big air Different. was like three feet. Yeah. And then yeah. you're watching these, like I, I just sit there, like I was watching the, uh, the skiing half pipe last night and I'm watching them and you know, we've skied in the half pipe and it's pathetic. And we understand <laughs> that we just go into go in, but these guys like, it's like, yeah, they're doing like a 1640 and then like a triple backflip and a twist. And it's like, they're landing it and they're doing more. And it's just like you mentioned, yeah. you watch like the original X games in like the mid was it mid late nineties. And it's like, what they're doing is like nothing. Like these guys now who are competing, they were doing that when they were like seven years old. And it's, yeah. it's it's incredible. incredible. It gets so much fun to watch. It's so inspiring. It's so cool. But it's also it's interesting yeah. the X Games because it's almost a, a mix of skiing and boarding with like gymnastics, right? Because like some of the stuff they do is For really sure. acrobatic gymnastics stuff that they obviously train, you know, off season on on too. So it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's the thing too. It's, I always find interesting when they have those Red Bull specials sometimes and they show kind of the training process. I remember like the big deal was Sean White when he had that half pipe built in the middle of somewhere in Colorado, like the middle of nowhere. Like they built that out for him so he could personally practice and train on it and bring all these tricks out and stuff. It's awesome. Um, yeah, it's it's so cool. And they were showing that uh, Tesla do. She became the first woman to land a double cork 1620 in the women's bi- uh, ski big air. And Damn. she also was the first woman to win gold in big ski air and ski slope side. Which Damn. is awesome. It's, it's incredible. It is. Mark McMorris won men's snowboard slope style and moved into a tie for fifth with 12 X Games medals. Uh, they're also showing that Gus Kenworthy, he's like retired at, at the, you know, the old balls age of 30 years old. He's like, it's my last one. He's like, I'm done. Well, Sean White is competing in this next Olympics. He is, which is at what? 35. Out? 35. Yep. Old balls, Sean White, 35 years old. fifth winter Olympic Games, they said. That's so crazy. Yeah, they had a commercial. I think I saw it like yesterday, yesterday or today. I'm like, damn. Yeah. So last night, so last, so Sunday was, we're recording this on Monday. Sunday was like crazy sports day because you had that, that Chiefs Bills game, had the Tampa game. And then I watched the X Games after and men's ski super pipe 
where they had Nick Porteous. He won on his last run, his uh, second year in a row with the X Games Superpipe Gold. Aaron Blunk was second, and David Weiss, who was third, who won the uh, last Olympics for the U.S. So it's cool that they're doing this. They're getting fired up, and then a lot of these guys are going right over to good old land of the free Beijing, China, for the Olympics Mm. in, what, a week and a half? (laughs) Yeah, the land land of the free. Exactly. The only thing free is the air. Yeah. Well, is, as long as you're wearing a mask, of course. Which, Mario, if you want to take this, is a ni- another perfect segue into the next story. Yeah. Uh, so um, this is the uh, athletes warned against speaking up on human rights at the Beijing Games. So uh, I guess they're trying to put the kibosh on anybody like speaking bad about China and their human rights atrocities that they've been uh, filmed, pinpointed, and basically proven guilty of in the minds of everybody. Um, Repeatedly, all the time. Yeah, Right. They're saying uh, the Rule 50 Olympic Charter is that no, no kind demonstration or political, religious, or radical propaganda is permitted at any, any Olympic site or venue or other areas. So basically anywhere. So they're not allowed to have free speech. They're not allowed to do anything to kind of, you know, make waves there. So it's going to be very interesting because I know some people are very outspoken. So we'll see how that goes. There might be some people kicked out of the Olympics, out of Olympic Village. So it'd be pretty interesting. Well, it's crazy too, because you you think about some of the most historic images of the Olympics. And, you know, you think of the, was it 68 in Mexico city with the guys holding up their, the, the fists with the black gloves on. And again, a lot of times it was, it was protesting. It was making a statement, making a, you know, standing up for your, your beliefs. And it's just funny the way let's it's funny is not the right word. It's, it's concerning the way that the media politicians across the world are just Letting China be just trying to do what China does, and no one is saying anything. I mean, yeah. there was that, uh, was it Chamath? Uh, I forget how to say his last name, the partial owner of the Warriors, yammering on about the Uyghurs. I was yeah. like, it's not my, this is not my problem. Like, I don't really care about the Uyghurs. Like, I've got so and so invested in all these companies that are making products in China, and I'm really not going to say anything. I don't really care. That's kind of how we look. I mean, look at your cell phone. Like how at some point there's probably some child digging out one of the minerals required to make this phone, whether it's mm. in Africa or Afghanistan. Plus it's a graphite shortage and lithium for the batteries, right? Yeah. You know, like it's 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 so yeah. easy for us to to just turn a blind eye to this, but it just gets it just dehumanizes everything so much more if we don't at least address it and say something about it because some people are completely unaware too. And yeah. if at least you have this massive platform and you can say something and make a statement or ask a question, even that's, that's even the worst thing with this whole world we're in right now is people asking questions are being ridiculed and uh, deplatformed yep. and canceled for just asking questions. Yep. And that's how you get to the authoritarian post-apocalyptic nightmares we all know from our favorite 
you know, future films. Like when we shut down thought, we shut down conversation. That's when we shut down free society. But, you know, even worse than that is you, you say, OK, so China, they have all these rules, whatever. They want to hide all their dirty laundry. The IOC, why the hell are they giving the Olympics to, to China? Right. And then they come out with all these, you know, bribes, pay for play. Same thing happened with the World Cup, all these bribes. And, and then why would you give this to this country that really has a lot of human rights violations? Like you're supposed to be embracing you're the Olympics. Like, why? Why did you do that? And, you know, they they do some fancy press conference and behind the scenes, there's all this payola that they deny and no, 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 this, they discredit it. And it's, it's all true. The mere fact that the statement was out there is disturbing. Think about yeah. it. In any other country, if, if this was in France or how about if it was in Germany, like, Hey, just so you know, you're not allowed to say anything about our, our government, what we do. Really? Yeah, I mean, just the statement alone is disturbing. Well, think about it. they yep. gave this to China with all these violations, right? And they didn't give it to all these other cities that wanted it that don't have those human rights violations, are more embracing of everybody, of sex, of color, of of you know designation, whatever it is. But now you have the Olympics going to China, and they're telling you to shut your mouth. Don't say anything. It's well, why'd you pick China, <laughs> right? Mm. China I mean, decided to pay us this much money to get the games. Exactly. Follow the money. That's all it is. Follow the money. Yeah, I mean, this is twice now that China was chosen. Yeah, they oh, had. Right. Was it two thousand? Was it two thousand eight <sighs> Summer Games? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was Beijing, also, or was that? I think so. Yeah, that was Beijing again, right? Yeah, because they shut down all the. Uh all the factories then and there was all these supply chain issues at that point uh because so there was an air air quality problem right wasn't that a, a well they part of cleared it? it up by shutting everything down right yeah <laughs> Oof. yeah it's you know going back to you know the olympics again the whole uh you mentioned germany you know the 36 berlin games when jesse owens you know beat these german super athletes and kind of, you know, shut Mr. Mustache up for a little while. You know, yeah. there's, there's, that's, those are the events we remember when you, you have this authoritarian state claiming to be these, these superpowers and they're the ones kind of getting crushed and losing, being put in their place. Again, I, I try to look at things from another point of view, especially with this whole weird Ukraine thing going on. You kind of look at like, well, how do other countries look at the U.S.? Like, Maybe we're the assholes. Maybe we're the bad guys. Like, I, I don't know at this point. We at, th- at this point, I, I, <laughs> the, is there a good guy? Is there any good guys left anymore? I, I think about that. I mean, you know, if, again, it's getting a little, a little dark and heavy, but if, you know, if with this whole, these COVID, these, uh, the vaccine passports and all this, if America falls, if America, you know, becomes an authoritarian state, where do you go? Like, what's left? If person of values freedom, where could you even go anymore? Yeah. There isn't that land to, you know, oh, if we take a boat across here, we'll go to this new land where we can start a new life. Like that shit's over, baby. Like we're in the matrix then. <laughs> that concerns me. Yeah. And now China, now I don't know if you saw this. I just put this in a little private chat there. This is actually kind of hilarious on getting past this dark topic. 
China brings back anal swab testing for COVID two weeks before Winter Olympics. Hey, now. Yeah, baby. I'm sorry, Miss Schifrin. You cannot enter the country yet. We have to get you swabbed. <laughs> anal swabbing. Are you for real? Hey, man. I didn't anal swab me, but it, I don't think it was a swab. The communist regime claims the virus touch, which involves inserting a five centimeter long saline soaked swab of a patient's bum and rotating it is more accurate than other on the spot virus Jeez. tests. Wink, wink. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, miss. This is just the most efficient way to do things. <laughs> and then the girl says, well, do you have to? tape it to your penis when you insert it? <laughs> it works so much better, I assure you. Do it for it's the greater so good. Much, sweetheart. Greater good. I know. I, I don't object to the test. I just don't know why you have it tied to your penis. <laughs> Chinese newspaper, the Beijing News, said at least 27 people underwent the anal swab test at an apartment building in Beijing where a 26-year-old woman had caught Omicron, the city's first recorded case of the variant. Be careful, oh, a couple dudes get in line twice for that thing. The invasive <laughs> anal tests involve inserting a sterile cotton swab into the rectum and rotating it several times. Okay. <laughs> it's for some reason they're only doing it to women. Yeah, right, dude. The picture. Oddly enough, there were finger food served and some uh, <laughs> some wine and cheese and crackers. <laughs> Don't touch my egg roll, bro. <laughs> Did you? Are you guys looking at the pictures on the link I sent? Because the instructions are phenomenal. The little picture of the guy like with his foot on the toilet, like pulling his cheek aside and like sticking it up there. Oh, yeah. God. What's up so, with that? Who who makes that? Like, yeah, this really identifies what to do. Ch Japan is calling on China to stop using the undignified test as some passengers said it caused them psychological distress. <laughs> They didn't give you a cigarette after, like nothing. They didn't warm it up. They just jammed it right in there. China allegedly ordered American diplomats to undergo anal tests, sparking a row with the State Department. <laughs> and that's why they have the political uh, uh, boycott. <laughs> like, nope, uh, not getting anal swabs. We are seriously, Sorry. in response, idiocracy. Lu, Lu Hong Zhao, a Chinese doctor, told state media that travelers could provide a poo sample at the airport instead. What the <laughs> fuck are we doing, people? What do you, excuse me, what do you have on you? <laughs> Just oh, got that's a, a giant that's a deuce in the bag. bag full of Duke. <laughs> I got a deuce in the bag for you. What By the is way, wrong with us? Omicron is the least deadly <laughs> virus. It's, it's like getting a cold. The last two years, right? Uh, like, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're just idiots. We're lemmings and idiots. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, if you want to comply and you want to get swabbed and stick something up your ass to prove you have don't have some sort of cold, go do it. Otherwise, yeah. like... So you got to stick this thing up your ass to prove that you have a disease that you don't show symptoms for and that you're not sick from. Yes, I need a test to help me know I have something that I don't mm. really even affect my life at all at this point. Exactly. It's just it's sheer madness. You couldn't tell that I'm sick other than shoving this thing up my anus and figuring it out from that test. Yeah. Mm. There you go. There's China. Thanks, China. Thanks, China.
And one final story. Speaking of bums. Speaking of bums. <laughs> is the ski bum an endangered species worth saving? This is from a podcast over at Outside Network where the author of a new book, Heather Hansman, a ski journalist extraordinaire and author of the new book, Powder Days, Ski Bums, Ski Towns, and the Future of Chasing Snow, took a magnifying glass to her own ski bum days and our industry and culture. And they also talked with editor-in-chief of Ski, Sierra Schaefer, about what a ski bum represents and what is at stake if we lose that character. And Hmm. just kind of, they just threw a couple of quotes from here, which I, I figured we would just kind of read and we can kind of have a little back and forth about it. And the book is about history of ski culture. And Sierra Schaefer said, if we lose the ski bum as that North star, it just starts to become a very homogenous corporate production and not an experience, not like a way to find your identity. Things that are soulless like that don't live a long time. And then Galena Gleason, longtime Telluride ski bum on the current state of ski bumming. You got to be creative. You got to be gritty and you've got to really want to ski. If you don't have those elements in your repertoire, then the dream might not be alive for you. And then pro skier Megan Dingman on the current state of ski bumming. For me, living the dream is doing what makes me most happy. And if your hard work is required to, uh, to get me there, then that is part of living the dream. I wish I could live in 1982. And just live in a snow cave and be a ski bum. But the new age ski bum, that's me. Now, I, our podcast, our whole ethos is about finding ski bummery at a later point in life. We're not, we're not 18. We're not just going to go, you know, pack up and Aspen extreme it. One of my other hobbies on the side is, is real estate. I own a couple of rental properties. I love looking at real estate and, and I have every day I'm looking at places, whether, you know, Jackson Hole, Big Sky, Whitefish, Idaho, Crested Butte, other parts of Colorado, Utah. Any of the big ski towns, if you really want to go and bum it and go work as a lifty and make whatever their veils paying you 15, 18, $2 bonus, 19 bucks an hour, you have to live in your car. Like that's kind of where the old school classic ski bum has to live like at this point, like it's just become so insane just to be able to live in one of these, you know, high end, big vert, well-known, awesome ski towns at this point. You have to be like some sort of hedge fund guy or a tech billionaire or. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Even, Even ski bums. You hear a lot of ski bums that are they're either trust fund kids or they had a career and they have money saved up. They're not, they're not really truly bumming it. They're not Trustafarians. Yeah. Yeah. They're not, they're not, they're not living, you know, hand to mouth. Like it's different. It's a different type of bumming it, right? Like it's a bumming it with the fallback plan or safety net. There's some that are still out there that are doing it. You know, Sir William, we talked to, I mean, guys are bumming it, you know, but you also have, it depends on the safety net you have. Yeah. I could always fall back with mom and dad. I could always, you know, crash at somebody's house. I got money to fall back on. Like how many ski bums are true ski bums? Like this is it. I don't have anything else. This is, I'm following my dream. So rare now. I mean, 
Yeah, it's you, it's you more rare. Even, you, it's tough to do even. And what's crazy now, again, one of the things I've been thinking about is with COVID, with so many people moving to remote jobs, the availability of apartments, buying a house, that has gotten even more competitive because so many people who used to live near the urban centers, New York, Chicago, LA, Seattle, they're like, Hey man, I can do my job remote. Why am I in the city when I love skiing or boarding? I'm just going to move out to Telluride or I'm going to move to Park City. Like that has happened in droves. And people are like, now, like, I'm not going to go back. Why would I go back? I, I'm already here. I'm where I want to be. More complications for the ski bum because that limited real estate, which has been an issue for decades in some of the big towns, is now only worse. Go onto Zillow right now and put in Wilson, Wyoming, and look what you get for $2 million. You can get a small piece of land or maybe a two-bedroom condo. That's where it's at right now. It's crazy. And if, again, you want to be that ski bum, Mario, we've talked about it dozens of times. That guy we met bartending up in Whistler. He's like, yeah, I'm living here at Whistler. And we're like, oh my God, you're living the dream. That's so awesome. He's like, bro, I was living in my car for the last year. Yeah. Like that's ski bum it. And I get it. You know, if you want it, you really got to want it. But is that, I mean, how doable is that anymore? Yeah. It is interesting how things are beginning better and better and better as far as quality of life, connectivity, all these luxuries that we have that we take for granted. Yet 20 years ago, being a, well, 30 years ago, being a ski bum was a hell of a lot easier than it is now. Like you could go out there, four or five people could rent a house and, you know, you might be bunking up, you might be in a living room, you know, you might be like, you know, three or four people in the same room, maybe five people in the same room. Now that room doesn't even exist. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a problem that's actually going to have to get solved by the resorts, which is insane. Because the resorts are the ones that need the ski bum. They're the ones that need the lifties. The, right. uh, the people that are aspiring to be maybe a, a great snowboarder and they want to practice out there and then they want to work, you know, and they're going to work out there. When we went to Crested Butte, that was, that was their biggest concern was housing. Oh, yeah. Every place what they is housing. Right housing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right, Brian, the pandemic is crazy. It's yeah. 10 times worse, probably exacerbated it by 10 years. Yeah, we had an article a couple months ago where they were talking about in Breckenridge, the uh, the hotels were, I don't know if they were actually suing Airbnb or they were trying to get some sort of, I think they were trying to get some sort of citywide ordinance or provision mm-hmm. put forth where people... I forget if it was, they couldn't Airbnb it or it was limited to certain, certain sizes or what. But again, once you start getting the government involved to making laws, like that's, that's not the solution either. Like, I don't know if that's really going to lead to the optimal solution because that's going to, they'll find a way to, to manipulate that for the people who, who are making those laws. The well, they're facing, they're facing the, their own problem that they've created. So they went in, they went in with high-end high end residents and hotels and they took up all the land 
and they built all these great places that they want to charge people four to five to six hundred dollars a night to stay, but they don't have any workers to support that. So all the amenities that come with that are in jeopardy, but they created that themselves because they never planned in there to say, hey, you know what, this parcel land, we're going to put affordable housing, we're going to put up, you know, a whole bunch of units so that workers and, and people that, you know, aren't staying here on vacation from some, you know, high-end lifestyle can stay here, you know, so they created their own problem and they're going to have to fix it. I don't, I agree with you. I don't think the government should get involved because it'll settle itself out because at some point they're going to say, we don't have the workers. We're going to have to support the workers that are coming in that work at our resort and work at our hotel and work in our town. Like they're going to have to figure that out. Government, you know, we could do, you know, government could do something about it, but do they have to? Right. Hopefully if they, not. Yeah. If if they don't want to have workers in their resort to give the amenities to the people that are paying this exorbitant amount of money to, to stay there for, well, they'll figure it out somehow. Yeah. And one thing too that, you know, again, talking about the exacerbation the last two years with COVID and people working remote, look at all the people now who, you know, maybe two years ago saw look how low interest rates are. I've always wanted a a condo in Breckenridge, I'm going to buy one, but you know, I can't go there all the time. I'm going to Airbnb it out. There are so many stories of people buying places and Airbnb them that I, I don't know if anything short of a major recession or depression is going to be able to undo that where, again, I don't know any metrics. I have no numbers maybe let's just say 40% of residencies in a town like Breckenridge are used for short-term rentals. What would it take for those people to have to give those up when people aren't traveling, they're not able to take the vacations, they're not paying for those fees, then they have to sell them. I mean, I don't know how long that cycle has to take if it even will happen. I mean, yes, everything does go in cycles, especially in something like real estate, but how long would that take to play out and will it actually happen? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it will happen, you know, and um, I don't know if you guys talked about this earlier, but it is fascinating. So the people that are working at the resort are working two jobs for the people that are going to the resort that have two houses. Yep. Exactly. That's right. Well, and if you talk about the, you know, the endangerment as a species of the ski bum, or you could talk about it as an evolution of the ski bum, right? There's different things in place and context with the place that they're going. Now housing is another barrier to just saying, oh, I'm going to drop everything and, and go out there because now I got to find housing and it's really hard. Well, some people are going to overcome that and that's the evolution of the new ski bum possibly, right? Like, But it's almost like it's, it's almost as a new term now though. Yeah. Because it's almost like you need to be a tech billionaire or something to be a bum. Or be settled with you're going to live in your car. (laughs) Yeah. Right? It just announced the new Bronco Raptor, man. You could park that thing anywhere and live in it, technically. Or you're going to stay in town and drive, you know, instead of living in town and being that ski bum, maybe you're going to live 45 minutes outside of town. But how much does that suck? Like if you're someone who's like, you got to be there at four in the morning, you're a, or say you're a snow cat driver. Yep. You know, like yeah, people have to problem. drive 40 minutes in a possibly 
terrible snow out, like whiteout conditions, passes could be closed. And you're the the resort fucking depends on you to sell their two hundred dollar a day lift tickets right. per person. And the resort is gonna have to solve the problem because they might not be able to open half the mountain on a powder day because all their workers are forty five minutes away and they can't get to work. Yeah. So it's their problem well, the, again, right? The one thing I have to say is you know, it's it's hard to just put that on the resort, right? Like you are responsible for you're a manager, you know the ski industry inside and out. You know how to service your customers. You know how to be efficient. You know how to, how to how to operate a great mountain. And now you're tasked with becoming a landlord, essentially. I mean, that's that's what's that's what's being asked of the resort. So like, all right, well, you need to help with housing. They don't know how to help with housing. They're not. You know, they didn't necessarily create I mean, get, they create yeah. the resorts that people want to go to um they're not the ones that created the pandemic where people like you and i are buying houses in ski resorts because we always wanted to and we can work from home like Vail didn't create that um you know Vail's not a developer necessarily i mean it might well, be see somebody some like Vail, though i would say they would have more capacity to handle that, right? They're a bigger outfit. They got more scale. They probably have their own development group, construction. Like they probably have some of that in their real estate management. Whereas like a mom and pop mountain is on a whole different, they're under a whole different pressure, you know? Well, yeah, Vail too. Like they, they do, they have, soup to nuts they have everything they have the mountain they have the operations they have the housing they have the restaurants that's their whole business model is this we keep everybody in the village keep everyone in this general area take all of their money that way so they need to know if if they're running that big of an operation they definitely know what sort of how many employees they're going to need for each one of those operations to function and the problem is for a lot of them is they can't get enough people to do the job and yep. then everybody suffers. Right. All those 40% extra people who bought Epic passes or was it 60% more at 20% off? I think that was the number. Damn. So, you know, again, if you're going to veil when it's all said and done, they're, they're taking care of their, sh- their shareholders first. That's what veil cares about. And that's, I think that also plays into this whole ski bump thing because back then, again, we're, you know, it's so easy to be nostalgic about the past, but when all these resorts were owned by a family, small group, two, three resorts, these, these folks, they did this, they bought these resorts, they started them because they loved skiing. It wasn't about appeasing the shareholders. It wasn't about maximizing the profit. It was about, being part of a dreamscape about live literally living the dream, love skiing, be part of it, do what you have to do to keep your, your place running and to put out a great product. That indie pass movie we watched, you know, in pursuit of soul last yeah. year with TGR and indie pass folks, those little mom and pop resorts, they were showing up in new England. These people blood, sweat and tears just to keep the place running to provide a great ski experience. The Veil model is different. And with the Veil model taking over, it has changed, like we kind of alluded to, what a ski bum is and what it can be. Because 
they're not prioritizing the ski experience. They're prioritizing profit, which it's the world we live in, I guess, but it's also, again, forcing perhaps a, ter- a terminology change for ski bum, because I don't think it's, it's, it's not the way it used to be where you could just go show up at a, a town and figure it out. Like you really need a connection, a plan, uh, financial backing, something. You almost need to be sponsored to be a bum now. Well, Steve being done, I mean, we talked to Stuart William and he, you know, kind of set it up and went, you know, he kind of did it. I think it's a little bit more forethought has to go into it. You know what I mean? Like before you go, like there's a lot of setup, there's a lot more things to think about rather than just, Hey, I'm just getting my car and leaving. I'm going to go being 22 helps too. right out West. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So interesting topic. I'm going to check out that podcast and see what they came up with because it's always, it's cool seeing people who actually did it back in the day and those who are doing it now to kind of get a different perspective on, on what's possible. Yeah. And speaking of perspective, then, Let's roll into the main topic. So last week, Mario gave us a, a wonderful recap, Crested Butte, what it was like, what it was about, how skiing was there. And now your partner in crime, Steve, is able to yeah. come chime in with some additional information and hopefully some additional insight on, the, I guess, the purpose of your guys' trip or the purpose of Crested Butte inviting the media out there was their sustainability initiative, right? That was one of the big topics. Yeah. They had a few of them. Sustainability was big. And I think, you know, Steve with his, his other role and his other, other career life, uh, kind of helps. He has, he had a lot of insight, He's a, a lot bump. of good conversation. So it was, uh, it was really kind of cool. I don't think they were expecting you to have so much knowledge. Let's put and that And Steve, way. you are muted. Oh yeah. You're mute. Awesome. Uh, so I'll just say, um, you know, a couple things about sustainability. We were just talking about the housing. Uh, Crested Butte is known for their amazing cross-country skiing. Uh, they have a they have a team. They have people that come there. It, it's an extensive trail. Got a huge system. facility there too, right? It's it's huge. And when you talked about sustainability, the head of the unit was like, "Well, sustainability is." me staying operating and having people like forget about you know being carbon neutral like she's like i'm trying to be sustainable just to keep the thing working because it's that difficult with people Mm. and having people be there uh and and the people that are making minimum wage and everything so that was that was interesting and that kind of ties into what we were just talking about with uh with the housing situation so Yes, definitely. Vale has to figure it out. They're the owner of the resort. They're the ones that are going to benefit the most. Uh, certainly, the town uh, would work with them. We met the mayor. He, he would. Uh, he's anti Airbnb. There's ways that they're not. Um, they're not paying the proper taxes and the, uh, that they should. But yeah. So what you were saying earlier, Brian, the mayor said that there's definitely an assault on Airbnb in these towns because they are circumventing certain taxes and cost to the town mm. uh, that they're causing. Well, essentially, so right, too, the taxes are to go to the town for all the services that they provide, the free bus, the plowing, the, like the, just the regular services that make the town go. 
You, know? well, you were saying right. too, Mario, too, the the hotel, like with that resort <laughs> fee, they bang you for. Yeah. I mean, what is it, like 10 or 12% at least? It was, I yeah. think it was 35 bucks a person per night. Something wow. like that. Okay. So the town wants that resort fee and they're not able to, you know, because they are providing a certain resort fee. Yeah. Uh, that the Airbnb owners are not paying. So they have a lot of things in place where uh, they will shut down Airbnbs that are not um, registering with the town. You could still be in an Airbnb, that's fine, but you just have to register with the town and get a permit for it. And that permit costs money. And that's for all the services that the people that are renting your home are getting, like that free bus pass, like the snow plowing, like all the things that make the town operate when you when you get there. When it comes to sustainability, yeah, what Crested Butte's doing is pretty amazing. They uh, they put together a uh, a program that all their food waste, which is basically their uh, compostable waste, is being uh, recycled and it's going to local pig farms. It's fantastic. You know, Vale's goal and, and so many people's goals are to be carbon neutral. And, uh, you know, first of all, what is I think Vale said, mean? what? Uh, 2035 is when they want to be carbon neutral. That's their goal. A lot of people don't even like, what is carbon neutral? I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what carbon credits are. You you pay to be able to pollute. Like, are (laughs) you carbon neutral in your house? Probably Um, not. So, I mean, the definition of carbon neutral, which is, is a little bit somewhat shady is, uh, that the amount of carbon that you put out, you take away from society. So offset it. You yeah. could you could offset it by paying credits, like you said, Brian, which ultimately people want to be in a position where they can offset it without paying credits because paying credits is really not the right thing to do. That's just saying that you're overly profitable and you're just, you know, paying it to another industry. That's the New York Yankees um, term version of it. <laughs> so yeah, we'll pay it. That, Somebody else would be carbon more neutral than we are. So I will I will give a shout out for what they're doing in uh, Crested Butte and probably Vale in general. They they set up this program and why it's so important is because all your organic waste, which just is food, you know, all that waste, if you throw it into the landfill, it gets covered up by other stuff. And when it gets covered up by other stuff, it doesn't biodegrade the way it should. So you say, okay, well, okay, so maybe it biodegrades slower. Well, it actually biodegrades differently because it goes into an anaerobic state. And when it biodegrades, instead of carbon dioxide coming out or carbon monoxide coming out, methane comes out. And methane is 25% worse than carbon dioxide. Hmm. So by taking the compost and giving it to a farm, it just it's exposed to the oxygen and just totally biodegrades and turns into something good, fertilizer. Versus putting it into the landfill, it actually turns into methane gas, which is insane. It's insane that something that could be really good for the environment, if we put it in the right place, could be so, so bad for the environment if we dispose of it the wrong way. Hmm. That explains so Staten Island. Boom. And then he gets that. Exactly. Right. And the people from there. One thing I don't get. So, you know, you talk about. There's not a lot of skiers from Scott Island, so I don't care. I'm just going to go 
I mean, oh, they, they ruined the Jersey Shore. Steve, you weren't here when we cool. talk about garbage skiing. Arthur Kill skiing mountains of garbage. Well, think right? about, we were talking about if we could go like from big snow and go across the Meadowlands, all the garbage, if there was like a big dump of like, say like we got like two feet of snow, we could there do is. like a backcountry tour back across country. the garbage <laughs> of the Meadowlands. Yeah. It's not a bad idea. You don't want you to fall, but if you ski, that'd be great. Right. Oh, the aroma. But and one thing that I again I'm I'm stupid. I'll admit it. Carbon. Aren't we all made of carbon? Like, isn't that good because we're made of it? That's where I get lost. Because I say it really means carbon dioxide. I mean, to me, it means carbon dioxide. Okay. Right. Because we're all carbon-based life life right. forms. So how could it be carbon neutral, right? We're really talking about the amount of carbon dioxide that you're emitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I work from home. Right. And I ski, then I'm carbon neutral. Boom. You're working from home. You're offsetting that footprint of driving to. I'm living in a ski town. Let's say I, I, I yeah. can walk to the lift or I hike up. I'm being carbon neutral. You're offsetting what you would normally yeah. set. You're I mean, replacing. Yeah. It might be a little different if you have an IPA or two because then that <laughs> might turn into like a methane gas. <laughs> it will certainly to methane gas that's for sure if you have but I but if you buy white beer locally brewed beer means there's no transportation of the beer from the brewery to me that's true there you go. That, that's right. true that's carbon neutral keeping the carbon neutral yeah but if you buy a bronco raptor and just drive around for no reason that's probably not you're gonna have prob- to do something to offset i gotta that offset that yeah you get it all set yeah I- I am not proud, but I'm probably offsetting four or five Teslas in my neighborhood. <laughs> you're reverse offsetting. Yeah, but you're keeping it even. You're keeping Definitely. it even, Steven. That's why you, you are this. Uh, you are even, Steven. Yeah, you're doing yeah, this for that. I have the new Bronco, and, and I'm not proud, but it, it gets 16 miles per gallon on a good day. And you goddamn love it, don't you? I do love it. <laughs> And it's awesome. Very cool. I love that Ford came out with it the same year as the mock. Like Bronco. <laughs> Fuel burner. <laughs> mock. It's yeah. just gotta be done. You know? Gotta be done. They're offsetting. They got the E Mustang, the the mock. See, they offset it. It's the all about Mustang balance. is not a real Mustang. That's a damn hatchback. I can't uh, I can't even look at that thing. It's definitely not it. a it's cool, but it's definitely not a it's Mustang. It's not cool. I hate it. It's cooler than a Tesla. I don't it's know. It's cool if you're over 60. For the same price? <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. actually, I, I was surprised how cool it was. But again, to call it a Mustang is the problem. It, it just can't. You just can't. Yeah. I have oh. a problem with the Porsche Cayenne too. Don't even get me started. Oh boy. Oh boy. Don't even get me started. Did your neighbor just get one? Did he trade his Lamborghini in for a yeah, Cayenne? So. Well, Lamborghini is at least a Lamborghini. <laughs> if it was a fucking hatchback Lamborghini, like then again, I saw a Lamborghini SUV. Full on SUV, not some crossover bullshit. That was nice. The Urus. The Urus. Like badass, yeah. That was badass, yeah. yeah. Sick. Just saying, certain you cars definitely you're wear, like, Why? You definitely have at least 10 kinds of cologne if you buy that car. That's right. And a shirt yeah, that yeah. says the car name on your shirt. You have a Lamborghini, Lamborghini <laughs> sneakers. So Steve, yeah. what was your... So this is wonderful. We all want to be carbon neutral. We want to protect the planet, keep things cold. You've been to a lot of great ski towns out in Colorado. What was your opinion of Crested Butte in general? So I think uh, Crested Butte is definitely uh, made for the extreme, right? So the backcountry is is 
is ridiculous. It's awesome. And I think that anybody that's, that's been around, they want to challenge themselves. I mean, Crestview offers that. Uh, a lot of places you'll hike to, to ski. Yeah, they call the... So, yeah, so I, I It's kind of weird. They call it the steeps, right? Which are... Yep. It's kind of inbounds, but it's like being backcountry a little bit. Like, it's it's strange. I mean, there's just so much, so many places you can go and, and hike to uh, that we didn't even tip the iceberg of. Um, so that that's pretty amazing. The town is incredibly quaint. Anybody that you want to go on a family vacation phenomenal i mean that that town is 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 great and the town and the ski resort is very manageable and you know the guides available are fantastic what it was missing could be because of covid you know my one of my best friends i work with was at um beaver creek and we compared notes and she was like I went to the Ritz Carlton and it was, it was an amazing bar scene and it was upscale and we all had a, uh, an amazing time and there was a band and there was a singer and, and it was phenomenal. And she goes, and then we just jumped on our skis right from the Ritz Carlton and went down to a uh, chairlift and, and went back home. And I was like, that was not the time that we had. Yeah. Right. We didn't, there was no app prey like that. There was no, and she was there the exact same day as we were. Um, so that kind of atmosphere definitely wasn't there. And now would it be there if the umbrella bar was open and a couple of the other places? I don't know, maybe. Um, but, you know, from my experience and, and talking to her who went to Beep Creek, very different, you know, her and, you know, we're the same age. So we're the same kind of fun and excitement. And, Obviously, the conditions were both amazing for all, for both of us. Uh, so that that aspect, I was a little you, know, you had to go downtown to have any kind of like excitement. Yeah, we're up in the village. We're up in the mountain village, which is great because you wake up and you're right there. You just walk over, you're at the lift, and you just get on. If you're in the town, it's like about a fifteen, maybe twenty minute shuttle. You know, free shuttle, of course, but you're getting on the bus with your skis and all that crap time, yeah. going up. So, so uh, it reminded me a little bit about Jackson, Jackson to Jackson Hole. You know what I mean? But not like Telluride where you have, because you had the mountain village up there and then you had the, the town down below. Yeah. But you had but that they had gondola, a gondola that kind of yeah. took you across, right? Right. So kind of more spread out than a Telluride. Yeah. We actually asked the question, uh, like, was there any thought about having a gondola to go from you know, the town up to the mountain village and they kind of laugh like, well, that's, that would kind of ruin their busing. And, you know, it's a whole different, not carbon neutral, man. Yeah. It's just a whole different proposition. Like I kind of, I think it would be a great idea, but you know, that's not their, (laughs) not their jam, I guess. That's true. You're right. Tell you right. You could figure out a way to ski back home to the, to the town. Yeah. Yeah. We always, we always took the uh, the chairlift there, but you could actually figure out a way to ski back to the town. Yeah. Uh, but Crested no Butte is not even, town. that's not even an option. When you look at it and actually look at the mountain, if they try, they probably could do that. And that, that would be kind of interesting Yeah, uh, to have that. And that would grow out the town even further uh, than the mountain village. But uh, it wasn't far. I mean, the town, the town is fantastic. A lot of eateries that were fun. Uh, a lot of neat little bars and stuff like that. 
Yeah. Uh, and again, I don't know if it was because of COVID or not, but certainly didn't have any kind of apres on the mountain. Yeah. I was surprised was... by that. Especially because again, you have all the, there's all the hotels right there. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff there. So I, I, I think it was a little COVID. I think it was a lot of COVID. So they, they also, because of the shortage of workers, they didn't have that one ice bar, which was written up as one of the top five apres in the world in Kananast, which I was surprised. And that wasn't oh, open. Wow. It was still snowed in and just wasn't cleared. There's a lot of things that we saw that just, I don't think they had the manpower to clear everything. I mean, they got the the snow around Christmas, so it was pretty fresh and there's a lot of work to to clear all that snow. They got dumped on. Was it 90 inches? 99 inches, something like that. So So you think and by COVID, you mean really just not being able to get employees, right? That plus restrictions, I think people yeah. are just not Still, huh? you know. I, I don't know about restrictions, because again, my friend, I just talked to her last night and um she was there at Big Creek and she goes, There was no restrictions, no masks. Everyone was partying at the Bridge Carlton and and wow. she said it was, you know, it was a great time. That's cool. And they're like, both Vail Resorts, was, you know, Beaver Creek and Crested yeah. Butte. So it's not like it's a, you know, Vail versus Altera or Vail versus Private. Yeah. Huh. And, I wonder if you know, maybe, maybe some big, is further, like off the beaten in. path a bit more. Crested Butte compared to Beaver Creek. Yeah, yeah Beaver Creek's more, yeah, yeah going back more. more central. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's easier to get employees there, or maybe there's just that's what you know. Vale's shuffling people into certain areas that has a higher, get more more people, more visitors, more possibility, and for revenue. Yeah, I mean the way the pet town was built out, it looked like it should be, you know, a little more active, but it, it was just kind of kind of quiet, and you know, maybe it's off week too, like between holidays and stuff so i don't know um, and how are the the weights for you guys for lift lines i know you guys had guides so you probably avoided them right yeah the first day and a half we had guides so we were cutting lines and the saturday was a little busy but that's when we they just dropped the line on a whole bunch of stuff so we got to hit those and, and cut the line with the guides and then the next uh, that next day it was a sunday so it wasn't as busy so that was kind of cool just kind of went around. Lift lines weren't that bad. Like even on the weekends, they weren't weren't like terrifying. <laughs> it's, just... it's, a real, it's a place I would say I definitely want to go back, and I want to go back when all this stuff is behind us. Yeah, because the mountain was great. People were great. The town was not far away. The bus yeah. was very convenient. Every fifteen minutes, um, I would stay downtown next time. And uh, yeah, that's Mario, what you said too. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you there, it's a place you could spend a week, um, because there is the cross country skiing, there is different things you could do in the town, snowmobile, and a whole bunch of other snowmobiling stuff galore. Um, and you have the mountain, and you also have the back mountain, so you could, you know, you could take a day to doing a back mountain, uh, you know, a hike and, and ski and, and just get like maybe two runs in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that could easily, you know, take, you know, six to eight hours. So um, there's a lot there that I would say I would go back again. Yeah. Um, and they also, too, versus, I, Mario, you mentioned it last time, is that they have that that backcountry tour, right? 
that goes from mm-hmm. Crested Butte all the way to Aspen. Yeah, that's like an event they have. They they have a it's bunch in of like events. April. They actually have a race, right? I think I looked. It yeah, up. it's like a oh, it's like- race where some people race, some people just do it, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting though. It's 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 a big deal. It's not. There was a there was an article that someone was commenting on how they they acted like it was like a, a little stroll that you could like walk the yeah from Aspen's very <laughs> easy just walk it's there. not a stroll at all it's it's like 40 miles the grand like, traverse it's called yeah, yeah. that's yeah, an extreme kind of thing 40 miles yeah yeah, yeah it's 40 miles <sighs> i mean two days and, yeah but that seems like such a cool thing to do like now again say you're not doing the race i don't know what sort of what the yurt situation is there if you can like kind of take it easy and t- take your time and do it in a couple like three or four days or you're right do a, do a little warming yurt for for night and just yeah. kind of keep going the next day bring your saint bernard with like a little barrel of glue vine underneath its neck yeah what's nice too is there's a lot of open land around it and a lot of it is either government owned or uh privately owned where they don't want public access so it seems like it's a place that's going to stay the way it is probably for a pretty long time. The whole town is classified as historic, so they can't do any like, you know, knock down and build some massive thing in there. So it's pretty, it's pretty set for how big it's going to get almost, you know, mountain village, you know, I would imagine can grow or change a little bit, but uh, I don't think there's a lot of space up there either. Yeah, we were looking at the map too last week and you're just seeing how much of the land is available for development. And again, it's, you know, like a Jackson or a Telluride, you kind of have just this little sliver available for residential development and everything else is just green. Yeah. National, state parks, all that. You got to buy land from a rancher or something like that. And they don't want to sell. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I I think there's more of a chance of a bus shuttle from Gunnison and just growing out Gunnison for like uh, low income. And yeah. Figuring out a bus system for them. What about yeah. Elon Musk Hyperloop? Boom. Subway. Everywhere works. Like, just underground, man. They're just go underground. You're avoiding the snow. There's Why no- have lifts? Why have like lifts? a subway. I mean, in. Switzerland, they have all those crazy, like within the mountain. What's that? The inclinator or whatever they call that thing. The, uh, yeah, the, uh, cog train that they have going up. And they, they had have... the cog train, but there's the one that was like in the mountain that like kind of took us up. Oh, the funicular. Funicular. How about like yeah. something like that? Like we need to, we need to bury stuff. This was yeah. out of sight. It was, was kind of weird, but it was like, all right, it's getting us there. <laughs> like you're in a yeah, mine. We need engineers that are politicians. All right, I think that's our problem. Uh, we have politicians. Never gonna we have politicians. We don't yeah, have just, engineers. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I never understood like why lift versus just putting a tunnel that you run all the way up and then it gets snowed over. Pneumatic jumps, tube. you know, in a tube, and you just you have like a train that goes back and forth. Boom! Thank, thank God Elon Musk has like seven kids. You're gonna need those fuckers in a couple decades. That's right. We gotta hope that one of them is the smartest. Son. <laughs> I'll take. I'll take half. Would you say, Steve? Did you have a favorite spot, restaurant, or bar, apre, any sort of in town or on the mountain? 
I mean, the I think it was the elevation was on the mountain. Uh, food was good. Service was good. Wish there was a little bit more action there. That was pretty good as far as uh, yeah, downtown. They didn't have live music, which I was surprised. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm talking about. There was no act right. There's no... We're right, done with skiing. You could you look right. around, they have a good setup, not a single live live music this is, venue. This is the whole problem with why we need more ski bums. Like you yeah. need a guy playing a guitar. Like it's hey just, man, yeah. I'm not getting paid by the hotel. I'm just playing. <laughs> just find them. Just bring them in from somewhere. What's that? Yeah, that's kind of a bummer. And that I think that's part of why it was quiet, right? It was quiet on the mountain. People were like, all right, they're done skiing. They went back down the mountain to the hotel in the village and they you know, a lot of people did operate down there, I think. No, like, yeah. monkey knife fights? Anything happening? Like... Everything... The the sidewalks rolled up around nine. There's a few places stayed up after. And that was it. Very quiet. I would say talk of the town. That was the most fun place. Yeah. Talk of the town. We talk we took the, the town, drunk yeah. bus, the, the drunk taxi one day. Yeah. That was cool. That reminded me of uh, Killington with the, uh, the free shuttles where they take in. Everybody's God. just drunk in there. It's like a drunk tank. <laughs> On wheels, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk of the town. Oh, like epic beers you guys had? Anything that stood out that people shouldn't uh, miss? We're having some nice bourbons. Nice cold. bourbons? We had a lot of bourbons. And then we switched yeah. to gin one night. That was a mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's some good local beers. I mean, they had some solid ones. Uh, what was that one that... I think I had one in the airport in Gunnison. No, not in Gunnison, in Denver. I was a Colorado. I, know. I still haven't got my luggage. Blue Moon? <laughs> Do you still haven't gotten your luggage? <laughs> no, it's gone. Now they lost their luggage on the way there. It's gone. Yeah. I thought you got, I thought they delivered it to you. No. I got mine. Oh, no. He didn't get his. Oh, yeah. no. Really? Yeah, still, still going through the process. They're still looking for it. Still like your snowboard and everything? They keep, on, to, they they keep on texting me. They keep on texting me. We're still looking for your luggage. It's like one of those, like, it's like finding a missing person. You know, if you don't find it in the first 48 hours, hope just falls off a cliff, right? Uh, exactly. So was it your, it wasn't your, your snowboard and stuff, was it? Oh, everything in there. Everything, everything. Oh. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. They suck. They suck at luggage. Yeah, United. Good like, flying people there, bad with flying luggage there. So how did? Well, I'll, I'll I'll give you guys the update next time I uh, go on the on the podcast. Uh, See if they so, find it. Yeah, I seriously want to hear the whole process, how this works, how you get, how they refund you. Like, I want to know how this all goes down. So if anybody finds yeah. Steve's bag, let us know. Just just text, <laughs> just write us a, an email. We'll, <laughs> I'll, we'll be I'll sure to pick it up. Process. As of now, I, I call them. I talk to them. They said they're going to call. Uh, Texas, because that's where their hub is for like, they have a big warehouse of, of, uh, the lost misfit toys oh, wow. luggage and, uh, just go down there, just pick stuff out. But like, yeah, yeah. that's mine. That's and, my you know, one. I got that one there, of those. It wasn't there. It wasn't there either. And I said, okay. I said, I said, can I have a refund on what I paid for the luggage? Cause I, I paid like, you know, for some reason they charged me $135 to move my luggage. I was like, and they're like, no, I'm like, oh, okay. I, I think it's just. So you lost you my luggage, leave. you charged me, right. and then you lost my luggage, and you're not even right. going to refund me the price that you charged me to lose the luggage. So I yeah. paid so you to lose the luggage. Yeah. So <laughs> Can you give me that money back? 
you put it in there, you fill out this form. It's really long. You have to identify every single thing you had in there. It's so ridiculous. You have them. You have them. What's a receipt uh, for all this shit that they're skiing with, like, or boarding with, right? Like, you put it in the bag. You're like, I remember to keep all the receipt on this stuff. I'm boarding. And we'll see what happens. They're going to do their investigation. The investigation. The investigative minds. Yeah, we should definitely do a recap on that. Find out. Yeah. What the process is. Um, That sucks. Oh, sorry to hear that. Yeah. Hopefully it it turns up, but I'm not, I'm not hopeful at this point. 48 hours, man. 48 48 hours. 48 hours is the most important. All right. So any other closing remarks, comments about the Butte? Oh, in Colorado general, don't rely on Uber because I don't think a lot of people are driving Uber now. Uh, That's what we were banking on. Yeah. Thanks, COVID. Uh, would we do the mountain shuttle? So look for a local shuttle and book that because you're not going to be guaranteed getting Uber. So we found that out the hard way. That's kind of another thing why you were saying staying in the town. Yeah. May have advantages because everything is at least semi walkable, right? Yeah. Well, there they have that free bus that goes around, which is kind of nice. It takes you up to the mountain and back and through town. You take it just up and downtown. How long does that bus run? Uh, I think it ran till uh, what, 10 or 11, 11 at night? Yeah, I think like 11.30, that's it. Yeah. And probably early, like, you know, before the mountain opens, you know, to get everybody up there. Right, right. So it was pretty cool. It was all day, you know, 15-minute increments. So it's very nice. It is. It's a mountain that I definitely want to visit again after yeah. COVID. Give it another shot. It had all, all the things that you like. They had a downtown that was really manageable, really cool. A lot of different places to eat. Yeah, they were like that downtown feel, right? You like that downtown feel, quaint. You feel like you're, yeah, you're in a mountain town that's uh that's really cool and it's not phony. You know, it's a real, it's an old town. And then you have a great, great mountain, similar to Telluride in that way, or a steamboat, but you know, smaller, really manageable, really easy. You could walk the whole town in in a night. You know, it's not like a not a city like a steamboat but it is isolated too yeah exactly which is kind of cool yeah it's nice when you're there right getting there could be a little dicey so correction from our last podcast where i said oh it's only like two and a half hours from denver well that's what it says in the summer from denver (laughs) jeff from our trip said it's really about five hours because they close a bunch of passes so you got to drive around so i'm glad we didn't rent the car and drive from Denver because that would have been pretty miserable. Would have did been you like guys a, actually yeah, consider that? Six. Yeah, we did. Oof. But that would have turned into what we thought would be like a two and a half hour drive would have been like five hours or something like that. You might have gotten your luggage though. We yeah, we might have. I think we would have. Yeah. So, you know, <sighs> see that could have been the, yeah, it's a trade off. I don't know. Then again, it was Steve's luggage, so I was fine. So, <laughs> right. Fuck him. I mean, it's not really my him. problem. I didn't, uh, I didn't really care. We had free rental, so it was all right. <laughs> See? Yeah, they did hook us up. It was it was really good so? what they did. Everybody's friendly. Everybody's super nice. I mean, the people at the mountain were salt of the earth. I mean, you know, we met the the GM. We, we hung out with her, skied with her for a while, and spoke to her. Tara Schrodinger, she... She was phenomenal. She was there scanning tickets one day. Like it was, it was really, it was really good to talk to them. 
they got a big adaptive ski area too, ski uh, facility. So that was kind of nice. Steve's done. He dropped off. He had a run. Yeah. yeah, it sounded like a great trip. And yeah, we're wrapping it up too. And unfortunately, couldn't make it out there. But yeah, if you guys go back, I think I'd. I'm definitely, definitely in for the next trip because this place does sound yeah. amazing. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was great to be there. Awesome. Well, it was great hearing more information about it. Thank you guys for all the info. Thank you everyone for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. Check us out on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, untapped at skibumpodcast. And as an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you to Terracia. Go to terracia.com. Use the code terraciabum, 15% off. Thank you to Paradise Skis. Go to paradiseskis.com. Use the code skibum15, 15% off. Thank you guys so much. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluid. See ya.